Uh, good morning. Welcome to First DC Church. Glad to have you all here this morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. I'm going to go through a couple of announcements, some new things. Um, again, I encourage you to grab the, the bulletin that's outside on the, on the way out if you didn't get one coming in because there's lots of information. One of the new things is about the hurdles to housing. It's the fundraiser that we're trying to do to help out um, Lebanon County Christian Ministries. We're not sleeping in boxes anymore, and I guess there was some kind of a bingo since then. None of that's happening. So we have a fundraiser page. If you go out to the LCCM website, um, then, then you can click on, there's a button that says View More Fundraisers. Click on that, and you'll see lots of different uh, boxes of people that have set up fundraisers. One of those will have my smiling face on, and it's labeled as Palmyra First DC Church. So just click on that. I put a goal, pretty, a pretty lofty goal, but, you know, I, I didn't want to set a goal of 10 bucks. We'll be, we'll be there in no time, right? So anyhow, if, if you feel inclined, if you feel led to, to donate, you can click there and, uh, and donate something. There are two other ways. You can give your donation directly to Gene or Gloria, or you can mail, mail a check um, directly to LCCM as well. But it's more fun to go online, look for my face, click on the face, and, and do it that way. Um, also, next week I will still be here, um, but we will be going on vacation then. You'll see information because the following week then Chris, uh, Chaplain Chris Lair will be preaching and while I'm gone, uh, Pastor Jeff Berger will be taking care of any emergency pastoral duties while I'm gone. So you can have his number handy there. Um, so those are, again, read through it. Everything's important. I'm not, in, I'm not passing over anything because it's not important. It's just that I want to get us into uh, actually worshiping this morning. So anything that's not in here that I didn't mention that we need to, need to know about? Okay, well then let's, let's take a, a moment to just pause and, uh, and, and let God know why we're here. Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, you've been so good to us this week. We gather here this morning to, to remember your resurrection. Every Sunday is a resurrection Sunday for us. But we're here to worship you and to just, just remind ourselves and to tell you just how worthy you are of our praise. And so, Father, I pray that everything that we do here this morning, everything that we say, everything we sing, everything would be to your honor and to your glory. And we pray it in Jesus' name. For our call to worship, I'm reading from Psalm 81, verses 1 and 2. Sing for joy to God our strength. Shout aloud to the God of Jacob. Begin the music. Strike the timbrel. Play the melodious harp and lyre. Strum the guitar, beat on the drum, play the electronic piano, and let's stand and lift our praises to the Lord this morning. Good morning, everyone. We're a little bit uh, of a small congregation this morning, so everybody has to be extra loud. And uh, we're not doing Yellow Submarine, even though it's on Robbie's shirt, but be extra loud anyway.
Okay, so I put one to sleep. That's the quota for this morning. <laughs> thank, thank you for the privilege to hold him. <laughs> All right. Well, we take time now to, to lift up our praises and lift up prayers to our, to our Lord. Do you have any praises, any prayer requests you'd like to share? Over here. Oh, hang on one second. I'm getting the microphone ready. Well, we want everybody to, uh, to actually hear it on Zoom and... Um, oh, over here. Yep. Keep Marlene in your prayers. She now has COVID blisters on her toes, and if they pop open, she can get blood poisoning. Ooh. And the doctor told her her toes will turn black. So I don't know how long this is supposed to last. The doctor said she has one other patient that also got the COVID blisters. Yes, thank you. And the other, yes, Jean. I have a praise. Um, on Monday, I had severe back pain, extreme. <laughs> and um, finally got uh, to a doctor and was given a treatment method as far as pain patches and Tylenol and I prayed a lot. <laughs> I had sleepless nights, and so I prayed a lot. And I, today, I am free from pain. I mean, he oh. is a great healer, and I <laughs> praise him for it. Hallelujah. Okay. Anyone else? Yes. Yeah, this comes from Zoom. Uh, just continued prayers for, uh, for Jim. Um, yeah, the different... Uh, concerns that he has at this point okay. and also for um amy and the boys are out on a um uh camping trip where they're you know canoeing out to their uh, uh to their campsites and then you know canoeing back today so just uh you know safety out in the waters for them mm-hmm. okay and of course um uh kathy Kathy Whelan and her family. Yeah, she is home. Okay, yes. So, Kathy, um, Kathy Whelan and her family. Her um, her sis- sister um, did did pass away this past week. She had been down with her for the last two weeks, um, and so she traveled home yesterday. So we'll keep keep her and her family in prayer. Anyone else? Any other praises? Okay, here we go. Um, I tend to worry, and I worry the most at nighttime when I'm laying in bed. And this week I was had something on my mind, and I was praying about it and um, asking God to help me not think about it anymore because there's nothing worry does. And um, the next morning something happened. I don't want to tell the details, but something happened that reassured me. And that song, um, Be Still and Know That I'm God, he has it under control. And <laughs> yeah. so we just have to learn to be still and trust him. Yep. 
Okay. Well, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer then. Well, Father, we do thank you for giving us another day. We thank you for the opportunity to serve you and to worship you this morning. And we do praise you for the way you are so involved in our lives. We thank you for your healing touch on, on Jean. We thank you that you have relieved her back pain. And we thank you for your comforting hands on Brenda and that you showed her and reminded her that that, you, uh, that you're in control, that you have everything taken care of, and that worry doesn't, doesn't do us any, any good. We uh, ask your blessing on Kathy and her family, and just um, we ask for comfort there as they, as they grieve the loss of, of their family member. We ask for your protection over Amy and the boys as they're camping and as they're canoeing back today and so safety in the water and uh, safety for their travels back home when, they, when they're ready to do that as well. We, uh, we pray for, for JR and uh, all the things that, that he's going through. We pray for a job and pray for his, his writing and we especially pray Lord for your healing touch on Marlene we pray for the protection of those blisters that they, that they won't pop. We pray for their complete healing. And we pr- pray for healing on her, in her whole body. Just take the COVID away and, and remove any, any harm, any danger from, from her body. Father, we also take the time now to recognize that everything that we have comes from you. You have provided us with everything. And so uh, we also want to give back a portion uh, in, our, in our offerings and our tithes, and uh, we, just, we just thank you for providing for us, and we give back a portion as our thanks and as, a, as an act of worship, and we just ask you to, to take what we've given and to use it to, to further your kingdom and further your church. We pray it in Jesus' precious name, amen. I'll invite you to stand now as we sing hymn number 35, To God Be the Glory.
You may be seated. And we're continuing our series this morning about American idols and uh, some of the things that we have in our, just in our lifestyle, in our culture that we have turned into idols. And today we're going to look at the idol of individualism. So I'm using the Sammy Davis Jr. song called I Gotta Be Me. I want you to listen to some of the lyrics from that song. He says, I'll go it alone. That's how it must be. I can't be right for somebody else if I'm not right for me. I gotta be free. I've gotta be free. Daring to try to do it or die. I've gotta be me. But I want you to hear what scripture tells us about being that lone wolf, doing things all alone. I'm reading from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and I'm going to be reading from verses 7 through 12. Starting in verse 7, again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I tend to use some of those final verses where it starts with two are better than one. I sometimes use that, or have used that in, uh, in a wedding before. And, uh, you know, it applies at, at that point for them, but it also applies to us. It's not just about, um, just not about a couple. It, it talks about all of us and how two are better than one. But in our society today, there's a very strong emphasis on individuality, self-expression, self-esteem, and individual identification. Boys identifying as girls now, girls identifying as boys, and all sorts of various other things that, ways that different people identify. I found a Facebook post that makes fun of that ridiculous nature of these claims. It said, man identifying as a six-year-old crushes game-winning homer in t-ball championship. There we go. And it had a whole, this is a, the, the Babylon Bee. It's a spoof kind of website. And they make, kind of make fun of things that are going on in the world today. But what makes them funny is that there's a bit of truth to them. So just quickly, the story that goes, and this didn't really happen, okay? I mean, but this is, that's what I say. It's, it's a parody. It's a spoof. But here's, the, here's the, the little story that went with it. Local 36-year-old man, Nate Ripley, who identifies as a six-year-old, 
absolutely crushed a game-winning homer at a local t-ball game and won the championship for his team Monday evening, reports confirmed. Ripley reportedly walked up to the plate in the bottom of the sixth, pointed his bat toward the left field wall, looming 130 feet in the distance, and let her rip, sending the ball rocketing over the fence and into a parking lot as the fans cheered and his coach yelled out, boy, Nate! Good job, bud! His team, the Little Padres, attempted to hoist him up on their shoulders in celebration of their great victory over the favored Tiny Tigers, but were unable to pick up the large 230-pound man. Ripley's feat comes at the end of a momentous t-ball season in which the self-identified six-year-old absolutely shattered every record set prior to that point. With a 1,000 batting average, 52 home runs, and an incredible showing at first base, second base, shortstop, third base, and pitcher, the man is being called an inspiration to other six-year-olds everywhere. I'm just proud to be here with my team. It's all for the love of the game, an emotional Ripley told reporters while enjoying an orange slice and juice box after the championship. I couldn't have done it without my team. (laughs) There's so much focus on me, myself, and I. What makes me feel good, or what makes me feel good about myself? And this really isn't anything new. I want to take you back a few years to the 1952 movie High Noon. Anybody remember that movie, High Noon? Okay. Starring Gary Cooper in the lead role of Marshall Will Cain. Marshall Cain just got married, so he plans to turn in his badge and be on the noon train out of Hadleyville to start a new life with his beautiful new wife, Amy. But his plans are interrupted when he gets the news that Frank Miller is out of prison and returning to Hadleyville on the noon train. Frank Miller is an outlaw who vowed to take revenge on Marshall Kane because Kane sent Miller to a penitentiary five years earlier. And Frank's brother Ben and two other men are waiting for Frank at the train depot. There's trouble brewing, and everybody knows it. Get out of this town this very minute, urges one of the townsmen. Don't stop till you get to Clarksburg. Well, I think I ought to stay, Kane says. But the townspeople are able to finally persuade him to leave, so he and his wife are soon riding away in a buckboard to live happily ever after. But he stops. I gotta go back, he says. I've never run from anything in my life. And even though his wife argues, he turns the buckboard around and they both head back to town. And there he plans to swear in deputies and assemble a posse to help him face the man and face the men who are coming to kill him. But his wife is a Quaker, so to her, violence is unthinkable. She tells him she'll be leaving on the noon train without him if he doesn't change his mind. The townspeople refuse to be drawn into the conflict, including the judge who just minutes before married Marshall Kane and Amy. The townspeople tell Marshall Kane, you'd better go while there's still time. It's better for you and it's better for us. So his wife can't support him. The townspeople won't support him. What will he do? Well, I don't want to ruin the whole movie for you, but I will tell you that he stays and he fights. One man against four brazen killers. So instead of considering where he fits, 
among the community that he's involved in. Cain does what he wants, what he thinks is right for him. And Gary Cooper's stoic portrayal of one man standing alone captured the imagination of the American public, probably because it summarized an ideal that Americans have valued for so long, this ideal of individualism. The theme has been seen all throughout American history. Daniel Boone, one man against the wilderness. Sergeant York, one man against the German army. Charles Lindbergh, one man against the Atlantic Ocean. Chuck Yeager, one man against the sound barrier. Neil Armstrong, one man against the space frontier. And these men from American history are seen as heroes. And they led to the creation of some fictional characters that keep the value alive. You've got the deer slayer. You've got the story of Moby Dick, the Lone Ranger, Walking Tall, Cool Hand Luke, and just about every character played by Clint Eastwood or Steven Seagal. And we see it in our music, not just our song title, I've Gotta Be Me. Think about Frank Sinatra singing, I did it my way, as if that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with feeling good about an accomplishment, and there's nothing wrong with celebrating someone else's accomplishment. But we live in a culture that places individualism on a very high altar, and some of us are worshiping at that altar. We worship the image of the lone figure weathering the storm, riding the range off into the sunset, and we've turned it into an idol. And our worship of that idol has created a culture in which most of us live together but alone. It's all about me, the individual. I've got to be me. I've got to find myself. I've got to do what's best for me. And these kinds of statements reflect the idol of individualism. Think about this question. Who are you? There's another song, by the way. Who are you? That's a simple question, right? But there's an interesting change in the way people have started to answer that question. Not too many years ago, people used to answer that question in a way that I might answer. I'd say, I'm Shirley and Donald's son. Or people might describe somebody else as, he's a third-generation Pennsylvania Dutch. Or think about the country song, I'm proud to be an Okie from Muskogee. People identified themselves within the group that they were a part of. But today, if you ask, who are you, the answer will more likely be something like, I'm a single woman, or I'm a gamer, or I'm a truck driver, something like that. You see the difference? These answers describe the individual. And they have nothing to do with how they're connected to any community. And that's our big mistake. You and I are created as communal creatures, created in the image of God, who is himself a community of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God put Adam in the Garden of Eden, a perfect environment. But soon after giving Adam all kinds of beautiful and wonderful things to enjoy... God looked at the man and decided to make woman. Now that's probably because God wanted to make sure that man had someone who would look at a map or would be willing to stop and ask for directions. And because I'm an equal opportunity offender, I want you to realize that the reason God didn't make woman first was because he didn't want any advice while he was making man. (laughs) 
God made man, and then he made woman. Not because he messed up, not because there were any shortcomings. We're told that God said, it's not good for man to be alone. That's it. Woman was made to be a helper. She was made to provide the benefits of community. We were made for relationships. We were created to have friends. We were created to be friends. We were designed to be communal creatures. When I first started to serve in the church up in Lehighton, and I started meeting with other pastors in the area, I remember offering my services and my help to a local fellow pastor. And I definitely remember his answer. He said, the best way you can help me is to just leave me alone. Okay, so by his definition, I helped him in the best way possible. (laughs) I just left him alone. For all five years, I was up there. That's probably a confession. I probably shouldn't have treated him that way, but um, he didn't want any help. And the best way I could help was to just leave him alone. That comment hurt, you know, it stuck with me. And I probably should have just forgiven him and moved on. And it's probably material for several other sermons. But he made clear his unwillingness to accept help. He felt like he didn't need any help. But, But we're all like that. I mean, how many times could you obviously use a hand and someone offers by saying, can I help you out with that? And your response is, no, it's okay, I've got it. While you have things strapped over your shoulder, you're dragging something, you're carrying six bags of groceries, whatever. You don't want to appear needy, right? You're an army of one. You can pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You don't need any help. You can do this all by yourself. Stop it. Accept the help. It's okay to be needy. The fact is we all need other people. And to believe anything else is to abandon our wise and loving God for the idol of individualism. You've probably heard the phrase, no man is an island. You ever heard that? No man is an island. It comes from a sermon written by a pastor and poet named John Donne. And I want to read it to you. It says, no man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a clod, like a clump of, just a clump of mud or something, if a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less. As well as if a promontory were. A promontory is a great big cliff, something, a a huge piece of of land, and imagine it falling off into into the sea. So if a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less. As well as if a promontory were. As well as if a manner of thy friends, think of a friend's house, as well as if a manner of thy friends or of thine own were. Any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in mankind. And therefore, never send to know for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. You've probably heard that, that phrase then. It's talking about how important everything is to the whole. Again, whether it's a small piece of dirt that that washes out into the ocean, if that small piece of dirt goes out, something has happened to the land, to, to Europe in this case, that was his homeland. So whether it's a small piece of dirt that goes away, Europe has changed, or whether it's a huge clod that, or a huge um, cliff that falls off and goes away, either way, the the whole has been has been affected. 
I want to read this again, but let's think about it in the sense of our community, of, of our church. No man is an island entire of itself. Every man, let's say every person, is a piece of the church, a part of the main. If a clod be washed away, so let's say if, a, if one person be washed away, the church is the less, as well as if a whole family were to go, as well as if the house of your house of, of your own. Any man's departure diminishes me because I am involved in the church, and therefore never send to know for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. Once again, we find something that reminds us about how important every single person is to the church and how every single person is a vital part. We can't perform, we can't be a whole as the church without every single person who is a member. Romans 14.7 tells us, For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. And this is true, of course, because we were created in the image of our triune God. Ralph Wood, he's a professor of theology and literature at Baylor University. He writes this. He says, The triune God has revealed himself to be a community of persons who has pledged to bring us into his own life through the communal life of his people. The word for God in Hebrew is Elohim. That's plural. Anytime you hear a Hebrew word with I am on the end, seraphim, cherubim, it's, it's plural. Elohim, plural, it literally means gods, plural. But we use it for our God because he is a plural person. God is a community of persons. We were made to live in a community, in relationship with other people. And that's where the church comes in, a community that consists of the family of God, a relationship that provides the solution for the idol of individualism. The community of a church family offers a few things that you can do to counter the idol of individualism in your life. One thing you can do is to commit to membership. Individualism shows up in the casual way that some people take toward finding their church. People will shop around until they find a church that feels good. They attend for a while and then they move on when something happens that they don't like. And they just keep repeating the process. Commit to a community. Commit to membership. If you're not a member of a local body of believers, make the commitment. If you've been attending here but haven't committed to membership, we need to talk. Let's do something about that. Another thing you can do to counter the idol of individualism is to commit to a small group. If you're not part of a small group, I'd like to talk to you about that too. Let me recommend an existing small group or help you to develop one. Small groups are where people learn each other's names and it's where they open up to each other it's where they pray and they cry for each other. And very often they develop deep, lasting relationships. And the last way I want to recommend for countering the idol of individualism is to commit to intentional relationships. 
Regardless of where you are in your knowledge of God and your relationship with Jesus, you can profit enormously from developing three, cli- three kinds of close relationships in your life. Everyone should look for a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy. A Paul would be an older, more spiritually mature person who is willing to build into your life. This doesn't have to be somebody who's smarter than you are. It doesn't necessarily have to be someone who's more gifted than you are. Certainly not somebody that has life altogether. That person doesn't exist. But you need somebody who's been down the road that you want to travel. Somebody who's willing to share with you not only his strengths, his or her strengths, but also their weaknesses. Somebody who's willing to share what he or she has learned in life the way Paul did for, for Timothy. The second relationship is Barnabas. A Barnabas is a soul brother, like Barnabas was to Paul. Somebody who loves you but isn't impressed with you, not intimidated by you, and not fooled by you. A Barnabas is somebody that you can trust, someone who will love you no matter what, someone that you can be accountable to. It's somebody who would be willing to say to you, hey man, you're neglecting your wife and don't argue with me about it. I know it, everybody else knows it, and it's about time you knew it. It's it's Nathan looking at David saying, you're that guy. Then a Timothy is a younger person whom you can mentor and influence. Not that you're perfect, nobody is. You're not and you never will be. And not that you're some kind of spiritual giant, but there's still someone that you can influence just like the way you were influenced. Someone you can teach just like you were taught by somebody else. Someone that you can encourage just like you were encouraged by somebody else. Die to self. See the bigger picture. And recognize you were created to be part of a community. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5, Paul writes, They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. That's how it's supposed to work. You give yourself to God, then you become a part of a community, and then you give yourself to that community. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the truth that we find in it, even when it makes us uncomfortable. Thank you for revealing to us some of these faces of individualism. Father, we pray that you would show us the extent of our own tendencies toward self-expression, self-exaltation, self-fulfillment, self-centeredness, self-reliance, just plain old selfishness. Help us to see ourselves in the coming days, not so much as solo performers in life, but as members of a great chorus or players in a symphony, a part of a body. Help us to leave behind unhealthy and ungodly patterns of individualism. Help me not to say, I can do it myself, but to remember scripture that says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength and help us to grow in recognizing that our money, our possessions, and even our church belongs to you, but also belongs to the community. We pray it in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Would you stand now as we sing our final hymn, hymn number 209. protect you. May his face shine upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.